Why does it rain? How does wind blow? This is just shit that we don't know. Don't listen to the radio. Listen to shit that we don't know. We don't know. This is just shit that we don't know. Hey, Anne, what time is it? Hey, Rachel. It's potato time. Whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. (laughs) You know. You know. No, Mm -hmm. you know. You know what potato time means. I do. We had potatoes tonight. We did. They were mashed. They were mashed. And smashed. They were smashed and mashed. And served with some delicious braised beef. Yeah, that cooked. That shit cooked for like four hours. My bitch was in the kitchen. <laughs> this bitch was in the kitchen. Just to cook me dinner. Well, you're my boo. That's what I do. I know. So this is shit we don't know. I'm Rachel Miranda. I'm, and I'm Ann Hatfield from the Hatfield clan. And we're back after a very long Another long hiatus. A very long hiatus. We're busy ladies. So much work. So much work. So many stressful things. And we might have another mini hiatus after this. Yeah. Because Anne, unfortunately, has to have back surgery. Like major back surgery. And it's due to a um Really common grape stomping injury. Yeah, it's it's very common among um, competitive grape stompers. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if we ever talked about this on the podcast, how we are reigning grape stomping champions. Yeah. We won last year and this year. We came back, defended our title, and won again. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Anne suffered from a, a, a spinal injury horrible spinal injury which happens all the time to the the greatest grape stompers in the world yes like as everybody knows like um carlos who's carlos luciano ah yes carlos (laughs) luciano (laughs) i mean no one talks about lucille ball having this really bad spinal injury no one ever talked about it wasn't that good but i heard that ethel she was like bedridden for like at so, least you know, 12 weeks. Ethel actually wasn't in that episode. Wasn't she in the fucking. Who was with her? Who it was, was the some Italian woman. Oh, it was the grape lady? Yeah. It was that not lady. Ethel. Well, okay, but that lady, she was bedridden. She for was. Three I mean, months. Ethel had it just by proxy. Right. Yeah. Right. That's why she, yeah. I'm going to sneeze. Bless you. Fuck you. No, you're, you're not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to prevent someone from sneezing. It means there's something in your nose that needs to come out, like dust or something. Who have you been hanging around? <laughs> I have allergies. <laughs> so we're back. And we're back. Oh, yeah. So I have surgery next Friday. So we'll try to do another episode before then. But, but who knows? Knowing our... How wonderfully we keep our promises to the, as to the frequency of the episodes we put out. I know we were we were on a roll when we first started, and we have this. We've set a goal that we'll hit episode twenty five at the one year mark, which is the end mm-hmm. of January. Yeah, we're gonna do it, and we've plotted out quite a few episodes, so we're we're ready. We have some fun things in store for you kids. We do. I think our next episode is gonna be really good if it all comes together. I think it will. I think it will. I think we're we're gonna our goal for our next episode is to have a guest or two mm-hmm. um we're not gonna tell you what the topic is oh, why would we it's all a mystery except for this episode which is a part two or part duh part duh since this is napoleon very french. it's very very french. very french so this is part two of napoleon so we talked about some of his nonsense 
about a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back to finish the story and go through um, probably the more exciting part. Of or his, we'll, we'll see how exciting His uprise is. and downfall. Yes. All within one episode. Yes, it's going to be very long. This is going to be a long one, this so gonna be a lot strap of, in. If you like... Army strategy. If you like me, that's what I thought you were going to start doing. But you didn't. No, no. (laughs) Nope. This is not full of Jimmy Buffett lyrics. It's not. This is full of. Words we can't pronounce. Strategies. Military strategies. Tactics. um, Battles. French words we don't know how to say. Geography we know nothing about. Yeah. We're going to try to tell you. This story the best we can. And hopefully not put everybody to sleep. Hopefully. I, I think we're going to make it pretty fun. Jury's out. Let's, let's get this shit started. Let's. So let's pretend that you've just listened to part one. So right. you're totally up to date. You know yep. what's going on. So where we left you last time, we told you that our boy Nappy was licking his wounds from his retreat to France in 1801 and losing the Rosetta Stone to the Brits. However... I did some re- <laughs> I did more research and found that some of the dates and facts in the documentary contradict other sources. That's so sad. Yeah, like history.com and shit like that. But I mean, okay. I checked a couple different sources right. and found the rights and they like the dates matched up. It wasn't some... too far off, it was just like a couple years off, but that's not why he left Egypt. Okay. So I found out the reason he left Egypt was not to retreat, but because he learned that France had suffered a series of defeats in the War of the Second Coalition. So on August 24th, 1799, so a couple years difference there, he took advantage of the temporary departure of British ships from French coastal ports and set sail for France, despite the fact that he had not received orders to do so. He was going rogue. So unknown to Bonaparte, the directory had sent him orders to return to ward off possible invasions of French soil, but poor lines of communication prevented the delivery of these messages. Who's in the directory? Like, that's their government. The directory is their government. That's what it's called. Uh, By the time he reached Paris in October, France's situation had been improved by a series of victories. The Republic, however, was bankrupt, and the ineffective directory was unpopular with the French population. The directory discussed Bonaparte's quote-unquote desertion, but was too weak to punish him. They were all like, we're retired, whatevs. How are they too weak to punish one person? They're just like, ugh, whatever. Her name is the directory. It sounds like a bunch of librarians or or administrative assistants. It was. It was just (laughs) like... (laughs) We're not really in charge. And they all went to, um, what's that online university? DeVry? The University of Phoenix. Oh, yeah. They all went to, they were all University of Phoenix. And I apologize to anyone who is actually a, a graduate. Good for you. Awesome. Um, but if you graduated from them and you got a degree in administrative assistance, you're in the directory. <laughs> <laughs> so the next part is you. I know. I'm sweating. You're just still laughing at my funny jokes. Yeah. I'm hilarious. Just, oh, my God. I'm so sweating. It's hot because the oven was on all day. Just cooking that beef. So I'm turning the air on. Well, it wasn't that. I don't want your, I didn't ask for excuses or reasons. I wanted. You're such a mean husband. I'm sorry. <laughs> Made don't you a beautiful talk. dinner. That's fine. Next time, turn the air on. For fuck's sake. And you don't pay the bill. You don't Get pay the electric right. bills around here. You know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
So despite his fuck-ups in Egypt, Nappy actually returned to Hero's Welcome. He drew together an alliance with some other French dudes, including his brother, Lucien, and they overthrew the director... (laughs) We're out of practice. They oh from reading. It's so hard. <laughs> reading is hard. Hooked they, on phonics. <laughs> they overthrew the directory by a coup d'état, different from a coup d'état. What's the difference? I don't know what a coup d'état is, um, but it sounds violent. Yeah. Um, and a coup d'état, I think it's spelled crudite. And it's like a dish... An appetizer and you dish best served cold. Yeah, because it's vegetables and you cut them up like carrots and shit. Well, he didn't overthrow them by making them vegetables. And then you make them little dip out of like a creamy dip to dip the vegetables in. And that sounds delicious. Maybe that's he just he just wowed them with his cooking skills. They're like, you know what? You don't even have to cook. You just need to know how to maybe julienne. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows how to do a good julienne. Well, if you do, you can defeat the directory. So he defeated them with his coup d'etat in November of 19, I mean, 1799. 1999. It's very recent. And Napoleon became first consul. His power was confirmed by the new constitution of the year V111. It's eight? That's eight. That's an eight. Yeah. Originally devised to give Napoleon a minor role, but was rewritten by Napoleon. And accepted by direct popular vote of 3 million in favor, 1,567 opposed, to be exact, and even 3 mil. Right. We'll keep reading. Yeah. However, Napoleon's brother, Lucian, Lucy had falsified the votes <laughs> to show that 3 million people had participated, but the real number was 1.5 million. But I'm bum So political observers at the time assumed the eligible French voting public numbered about 5 million people. So the regime artificially doubled the participation rate to indicate popular enthusiasm for the consulate. Regardless, he won by a landslide. There's a a saying in Chicago. Yeah. Vote early and vote often. I don't think that's just in Chicago. It's where it originated. It actually looks like it originated in um, France. I don't understand why they had to fake the numbers because, I mean, he won regardless. They didn't know. I mean, they were expecting a turnout, a possible 5 million. And they knew they had 1.5 million votes. That's not quite half. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they had to double that. And if you get 3 million, you're guaranteed to win. I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. So in the spring of 1800, Napoleon and his troops crossed the Swiss Alps into Italy which is in Europe. We know that now. Yep. <laughs> Only because you left it as a note. <laughs> I Amy, love that just for you. <laughs> Aiming to surprise the Austrian armies that had reoccupied the Pennsylvania. The <laughs> Peninsula. Peninsula. <laughs> when, <laughs> when Napoleon was still in Egypt. Because both armies were playing hide and seek because they couldn't find each other for a few days. Eventually, the two armies found each other at the Battle of Marengo on June 14th. Austria had the numerical advantage, fielding about 30,000 soldiers. Fielding, that's an adjective. Verb? Adverb. 
what is this, an English class? <laughs> Just fielding, <laughs> fielding, sorry, fielding about 30,000 soldiers while Napoleon had about 24,000 French so, like, troops. not that many That's more. Not that That's bad. not like a huge it's advantage. Like a fourth. A little bit more. I don't know. That math is not right. I mean, he did have a numerical advantage. I mean, and I Austria did. When I say he, I mean Austria. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the battle began favorably for the Austrians as their initial attack surprised the French and gradually drove them back. Austria thought they had won the battle and their general retired to his headquarters around 3 p.m., leaving his subordinates in charge of pursuing the French, like the fucking administrative assistants who let Napoleon yeah, the win with his fucking crudites. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, fucking guys. Oh, top-notch generals those Austrians have. Um, it's like a basketball player leaving before the fourth quarter is over because they had more points than the other team to say, we'll let them do what they want. The game is not over until it's over, Rachel. I know. Yeah. The French lines never broke during their tactical retreat, and Napoleon constantly rode out among the troops, urging them to stand and fight. Late in the afternoon, a series of artillery barrages and cavalry charges decimated the Austrian army, which fled over the, not the Bermuda River. Bermuda. Bermuda. (laughs) Bermuda River back to Alessandria, leaving behind 14,000 casualties. Ugh, imagine... That's a lot. Uh, fucking smell Probably sta- in a couple days. Probably was pretty smelly. The following day, the Austrian army agreed to abandon northern Italy once more with the Convention of Alessandria, which granted them safe passage to friendly soil in exchange for their fortresses throughout the region. German strategist and feed, mar- feed, feed marshal. Mar- feed mar- <laughs> he was, oh my God. He was in charge of feeding them. He was in charge of the cow feed. <laughs> I mean, the horses for their horses. Um, Field Marshal Alfred von Schleifen concluded that I don't know a German accent Bonaparte did not <laughs> annihilate his enemy <laughs> but eliminated him and rendered him harmless while attaining the object of the campaign the conquest of northern Italy you sound like Cookie Monster <laughs> <laughs> like a Cookie Monster was a German field marshal. I think he's a German. <laughs> that was great. That was amazing. No, that was <laughs> solid. Okay. Uh, so Napoleon's triumph at Marengo secured his political authority and boosted his popularity back home, but it did not lead to an immediate peace. Bonaparte's brother Joseph How led. Many brothers is he? Oh, he, so yeah, he had like many brothers. 45, Remember okay. we? Yeah, and he was very clean. Mm-hmm. His mom cleaned them yeah. all. Um, so his brother Joseph led the complex negotiations in Luneville and reported that Austria, emboldened by British support, would not acknowledge the new territory that France had, France had acquired. As negotiations became increasingly testy, Bonaparte gave orders to his general to strike Austria once more. The French swept through Bavaria and scored an over... What? I don't know. Why? Just go. <laughs> scored an overwhelming victory... At however the Hohenlinden in December 1800. Hohen. As a result, the Austrians surrendered and signed the Treaty of Luneville oh in February 1801. What is going on All over the there? All stabs in my leg. Just keep going. Okay. The treaty reaffirmed the expanding earlier French gains at Camp Formio. 
Britain now remained the only nation that was still at war with France. About a year later, in March 1802, after a decade of constant warfare, France and Britain signed the Treaty of Amiens. Sure. Sure. Bringing the the revolutionary wars to an end. Amiens called for the withdrawal of British troops from recent conquered colonial territories. I like how we scat every time. Beep, beep, beep. (laughs) Whenever we fumble over words. We're just jazzy ladies. Beep, beep, beep. Uh, so British troops were recently conquered. Let's <laughs> skip this sentence. With Europe at peace and the economy recovering, Napoleon's popularity soared to its highest levels under the consulate, both domestically and abroad. Wow. During the spring of 1802, the French public came out in huge numbers to approve a constitution that made the consulate permanent, essentially elevating Napoleon to dictator for life. Holy shit. There was no secret ballot in 1802, and few people wanted to openly defy the regime. The Constitution gained approval with over 99% of the vote. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. <laughs> so the brief peace in Europe allowed Napoleon to focus on the French colonies abroad. St. Domingue, which we now know as Haiti, had managed to acquire a high level of political autonomy during the Revolutionary Wars with Toussaint Louverture. Mm-hmm. Installing himself as a de facto dictator by 1801. Napoleon saw his chance to recuperate the formerly wealthy colony when he signed the Treaty of Amiens. During the revolution, the National Convention voted to abolish slavery in February 1794. Under the terms of Amiens, however, Napoleon agreed to appease British demands by not abolishing slavery in any colonies where the 1794 decree had not had never been implemented. So in 1794, like, I remember the National Convention from the last episode. Then where are these fucking librarians from? The directory. I think they were there the whole time. I think your your <laughs> documentary just skipped over them. But I thought national, the National Convention was, like, the ruling government. Then, then who were the Maybe the it's the same thing. It's just two directory. different names for them. But why? I don't know. I don't understand. Rage. I, okay. France is weird. France is funny. <sighs> funny France. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, here's a fucking mouthful. Yeah. I'm excited for you to try this name. <clears throat> All right. Nappy sent an expedition under General Charles Victoire Emmanuel Leclerc. Very nice. Hey. I think that was correct. I think that was right. Yeah, yeah. Which was designed to reassert control over Saint Domingue, although the French managed to capture Toussaint Levouture. The expedition failed when high rates of disease crippled the French army. They didn't what kind get of their, diseases did you? They make? didn't get their malaria shots for one. That's true. Or I would say a lot of consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, cholera. Any venereal diseases? Lots of those. All lots. of them. Rampant in Haiti and the heat brings it out. <laughs> so it lit. makes the wounds fester. And then, and then also a lot of dysentery. So much dysentery. It was yeah. the Oregon Trail. But in Haiti. Just but in Haiti, yeah. Yeah. They should really redo bad. Oregon Trail and make it Oregon Trail in Haiti. In Haiti. Haiti style. Haiti Trail. It would be a, a success. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And instead of like um, covered wagons, they what do they ride in Haiti? Camels? I think they have cars there. Back then? Oh, back then. Rachel. I'm sure they had horses. All right, so maybe still covered wagons. Yeah, I don't think they had camels. I don't know. Yeah. 
Maybe llamas. I'm sure they had a few yeah. roaming around. Okay. Um, so they were all diseased and they became crippled. I don't know if they died or if the disease actually was crippling. Maybe they had smallpox. Um, but anyway, in May of 1803, the last 8,000 French troops left the island and the slaves proclaimed an independent republic that they called Haiti in 1804 because they hated it so much. <laughs> don't think that's why they named it Haiti. You don't know. Seeing the failure... Oh, that's why everybody speaks French from there. Yeah. Holy shit. It's Seen, all coming together. It is. It's, it's A and B are coming together. Yep. Seeing the failure of his colonial efforts, Napoleon decided in 1803 to sell the Louisiana Territory to the United States, instantly doubling the size of the U.S. The selling price in the Louisiana Purchase was less than three cents per acre, a total of $15 million. So That's a lot of money, like, Think about back then and now. That's like fifteen. Like what's the? Well, I think the billion dollars now. Well, the um the inflation thing only goes back to like nineteen oh three or something, so we wouldn't be able to really calculate it. But it's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot of fucking money. Yeah, and if you're interested, go back and listen to Lois and Clark. What did we talk about in Lois and Clark about the oh, and we talked about. Bathing inflation. Remember last episode? Lois and Clark, the ter- um, did they explore the land? I'm sure they did. In the leaves of Louisiana. I've already Purchase. forgotten. Lois and Clark. <laughs> I've already. Did they, they, didn't they explore the Louisiana Purchase? Sure. Territory? I bet you they did. Holy shit. <laughs> so we're doing this podcast where we're supposed to be learning things. I'm not retaining I'm any not of this information. So we're not becoming smarter or more worldly. No. We're just laughing at things we don't know about. And promptly forgetting them. We're copying and pasting from different websites. Watching real great documentaries. Really great that Dolores made. <laughs> this young this little old lady. A young little A young old lady. lady. <laughs> All right. Let's continue. Oh, okay. So Great Britain decided to say fuck it. And broke the Treaty of Amiens by declaring war on France in May of 1803. What the fuck? Oh, that's when the last 8,000 French troops left the island. A lot happened in May of 1803. It was a big month for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. In December of 1804, the Anglo-Swedish Agreement became the first step towards the creation of the Third Coalition. There were so many of these. I was exhausted after reading through all of this. By 1805, Britain had also signed an alliance with Russia. Austria, who had their assess asses. Oh, man. I only had half a glass of wine. I've had way more to drink than Anne. I've had no pain medications. No. She's eating food today. Other than Swedish fish. Other than Swedish fish. So they had their asses handed Austria, to them. Austria, who had their asses handed to them twice by the French, wanted revenge. So they joined the coalition a few months later. Before the formation of the Third Coalition, Nappy, Nappy had assembled an invasion force around six camps at Boulogne, Boulogne in northern France. Boulogne. 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 <laughs> he intended to use this invasion force to strike at England. They never invaded, but Nappy's troops received careful and invaluable training for future military operations. The men at Boulogne formed the corps for what Napoleon later called La Grande Armée, 
At the start, this French army had about 200,000 men organized into seven corps. Corps? Corps. Corps. I knew the P was silent. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't think the S was, but I also didn't think it was corpses. <laughs> Which were large field units that contained 36 to 40 cannons each and were capable of independent action until other corps, this sounds so stupid, could come to the rescue. So it sounds like he was prepped. He was prepped, prepped and in... ready to go. Yes. A single corps properly situated in a strong defensive position could survive at least a day without support. Giving the Grand Armée, Grande Armée, Grande Armée, countless strategic and tactical options on every campaign. On top of these forces, Napoleon created a cavalry reserve of 22,000 organized into two divisions, four mounted dragoon, almost a dragon, divisions. And then I put what it means, what a dragoon is. Oh, good. Dragoon is a class of mounted infantry who used horses for mobility but dismounted to fight on foot. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. One division of dismounted dragoons and one of like cavalry, <laughs> cavalry, all supported by twenty-four artillery pieces. What if they and, just had dragons instead? I wish they did. I should have just misspelled it. I mean, like they had four. They would dismount their dragons <laughs> and fight on foot. That's a missed opportunity. I would have just stay on my dragon. From my perspective, right? Yeah, up in the air, shooting fire down. Yeah, if you're maybe throw gar- some, like hold a stack of rocks and throw those as well. You're guaranteed to win if you've mm-hmm. got a dragon. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what twenty-four artillery pieces are going to do for anybody, but they had two dozen. <laughs> Not a baker's, I guess. Two baker's dozens <laughs> and twenty-six. By 1805, the Grande Armée had grown to a force of 350,000 men who were well-equipped, well-trained, and led by competent officers, even with their 24 artillery. Okay. The Third Coalition raged. They raged. Were they at a rager? Mm-hmm. It was a big party. Lots of PBR. So much PBR. A lot of Coors Light. Mm-hmm. 18, so they raged from 1803 to 1806, and Napoleon and La Grande Armée kicked everyone's ass. There would be a fourth and a fifth coalition in the years following until about 1809, and France was victorious for both. Yeah, I mean, they were doing, like, Napoleon was, like, living the life. He was kicking everybody's ass. Being really short, no one, you know, no one was fucking with him. Viva la France. Things are about to get a little dicey. Dicey, dicey, dicey time. So we're going to get into the good stuff, which I know everyone's been waiting for. Just waiting for this shit. Napoleon's invasion of Russia. So this is where shit starts to go downhill. So the French invasion of Russia, known in Russia as the Patriotic War of 1812 and in France as the Russian Campaign. Since it happened in Russia, I think we should call it the Patriotic War of 1812. Let's. Okay, so it began on June 24th, 1812, when Napoleon's Grand Armée crossed the Neiman River in an attempt to engage and defeat the Russian army. Napoleon was trying to get Tsar Alexander I of Russia to stop trading with the British in an effort to ensure the United Kingdom, to pressure the United Kingdom to sue for peace. I didn't know you could do that. Seems legit. Seems like a real reason. The official political aim of the campaign was to liberate Poland from the threat of Russia. Napoleon claimed... uh, 
claimed. Napoleon named the campaign the Second Polish War to gain favor with the Poles and provide a political pretext for his actions. So he basically was like, oh, I'm going to do this for, for Poland, and it's just for them. But actually, he was just being a dick, and he just wanted who would, to win. Who would do that? Like, he, he just wanted to invade. Done it in the past? He Why just, would they yeah, think that? Exactly. Maybe they weren't followers. They didn't know. People were stupid back then. So through a series of long marches, Napoleon pushed the army, army rapidly through Western Russia in an attempt to bring the Russian army to battle, winning a number of minor engagements and a, batter, bip, 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 a major <laughs> battle of Smolensk, Smolensk in August. Napoleon hoped the battle would mean at the end the battle would mean an end to, of the march into Russia, but the Russian army slipped away and continued to retreat into Russia, leaving some sm- Smolensk <laughs> to burn. As the Russian army fell back, Cossacks, which are a group of predominantly East Slavic-speaking people who were known as members of a democratic, self-governing, semi-military communities, mm-hmm. they were given the task of burning villages, towns, and crops. This was intended to deny the invaders of the... Uh, deny invaders the option of living off the land. Fuck yeah. These scorched earth tactics freaked the fuck out of the French. <laughs> the fact that the Russians would destroy their own territory and harm their own people was difficult for the French to That's comprehend. That's what I'm talking about. Dude, they're not... That's when you're like, Whoa. Don't fuck with the Russians. No. You just no, don't fuck They're not wearing with... fucking white starched pants and riding in with like fucking long tail yeah. coats and a tricorn hat on a white lipazon or stallion. No, Mm-mm. they're riding up on their fucking donkeys and they're lighting their house on fire. And their burlap sack shorts and their fucking wolf skin jackets and burning their houses down. Absolutely. Yeah. So these batshit crazy or genius actions mm-hmm. forced the French to rely on a supply system that was incapable of feeding the large army. Starvation compelled French soldiers to leave their camps at night in search of food. These men's were these men's like <laughs> um, <be> some men's <laughs> these men's these men were frequently confronted by parties of Cossacks who were captured or killed. I like some starving men's. So, they, they, can't like, run, they can't uh, run from me as fast. I like me some men's. Some men's. So these Russian people were fucking crazy. I yeah. love it. Yeah, they're this like, is no, no, good. none of your fucking tactics. Yeah, they're like, oh, you, you think you're gonna take over my country and live off my land? Well, fuck you. I'm gonna burn it down. If I can't have it, you can't have it. I like it. It's like a so, crazy ex-girlfriend. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's my turn. You have a lot to read. Holy shit! I'm so sorry, Are everybody. Are you tired? How are you feeling? Time? Do you need to take a break? No, I'm fine. Do you need to do like me, 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 me? How's your that voice doing? Would not. I'm feeling a little like strained. Your voice strain. You let me know when you want me to take over. I will. So the Russian army retreated into Russia for almost three months. The continual retreat and the loss of lands to the French upset the Russian nobility. I thought you said the French, the French, the French people left. No, they did not leave. They kept going. Just because things were burned down? No, they fucking kept going? You think Napoleon was going to give up? Oh, they just didn't understand and were freaked out. Oh, yeah. No, they were freaked the fuck out. They were like, what the fuck are you doing? But they kept going. I would have regrouped. I would have been like, let's let's. We'll be back later. Yeah. (laughs) We'll come back. We'll come back next year after crop season. They retreated for three months. Like, after that, they just kept coming at them and russia the russian army just kept retreating for three another okay i mean russia's a big fucking country there's a lot was a lot of space for them to retreat to yeah Hmm. all right well so russian nobility was upset yep 
They pressured Alexander I to relieve the commander of the Russian army, Field Marshal Barclay. Alexander won the first. <laughs> Alexander, <Shit>. Alexander <laughs> For one. fuck's sake. Alexander number one. <laughs> he complied, appointing an old veteran, Prince Michael. Prince Mikhail, Prince Mikhail Kutuzov to take over the command of the army. However, for two more weeks, Kutuzov continued to retreat as his predecessor had done. I think it's sneaky. On September 7th, the French caught up with the Russian army, which had dug itself in on hillsides of a small town called Borodino, 70 miles west of Moscow, for those of you who are plotting this on the map. The battle that followed was the bloodiest single-day action of the Napoleonic Wars until that point, involving more than 250,000 soldiers and resulting in 70,000 casualties. In one day? In a day. Like, that wasn't, like, a war, like a whole war. It was one battle, one day. 70,000 men died. It's disgusting. Yeah. So the French gained a tactical victory, but at the cost of 49 general officers and thousands of men. The Russian army was able to extricate itself and withdrew the following day, leaving the French without the decisive victory Napoleon sought. Napoleon strolled into Moscow a week later, and the Russians, who apparently love fire, did another super fucked up thing. The Russians had evacuated the city, and the city's governor, Count Theodore Rostopchin. <laughs> Rostop. It sounds like you said Theodore. <laughs> I think it's Fido. Fyodor. Fyodor Rostop. Rostopchin. <laughs> oh, we're butchering this. Rostopchin. Ro- Rostopchin. No, no, no. We gotta make it Russian. Rostopchin. 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 Theodore Rostopchin <laughs> ordered several strategic points in Moscow set ablaze. Napoleon's hopes had been set upon a victorious end to his campaign, but looks like they had been set on fire. (laughs) His victory in the field did not yield him victory in the war. The loss of Moscow did not compel Alexander I to sue for peace. (laughs) And both sides to sue for peace. I don't know. I'm so confused. It must mean something different. I think like, they both it, don't have shitty lawyers. I think it like, means to do it like a treaty. Okay. Uh, yeah. This is just a really roundabout a... way to get a, to peace. And both sides were aware that Napoleon's position grew worse with each passing day. After staying in Moscow a month, Napoleon moved his army out southwest. Toward they actually took southwest. Toward... <laughs> it's so much cheaper than it the is. other airlines. Did he go to Kaluga? Yeah. Toward Kaluga, where Kutuzov was encamped with the Russian army. Now, Napoleon tried one more time to fuck up the Russian army at the Battle of. Yeah. The Battle of. Maloyaroslavets. Maloyaroslavets. Sure. Maloyaroslavets. Despite. <laughs> Despite having the upper hand, the Russians retreated, confirming that the Russians would not commit themselves to a pitched battle. No, sir. Napoleon's troops were exhausted with little food, no winter clothing, because they had those fucking starched white pants that are not lined. <laughs> no, they look good, but they're not they're functional. They're like linen. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His remaining horses were in poor condition. Napoleon was forced to retreat. 
In the weeks that followed, the Grand Armée starved and suffered from the onset of the Russian winter. Sounds like a disease. <laughs> Early onset Russian winter. <laughs> Acute onset. Yeah. Acute Russian winter onset. It was, yeah. Accompanied by shivers and chills. Um, lack of food and fodder for the horses. Okay. Hypothermia from the bitter cold and persistent attacks upon isolated troops from Russian peasants and Cossacks led to great losses in men and a general loss of discipline and cohesion in the army. All those men's. All those men's. <laughs> what was left of what was left of Napoleon's army crossed the Berezina River in November, and only twenty-seven thousand effective soldiers remained. The Grand Armée had lost 380,000 men. Those were the dead ones. And then, <laughs> and then another 100,000 had been captured. Following the crossing of Berezina, Napoleon left the army. And I wrote, bye. He peaced out after much urging from his advisors and with the unanimous approval of his marshals. I think one guy was like, no, you must stay. He returned to Paris by carriage to protect his position. <laughs> I can picture it's like, like Cinderella's like, yeah, yeah. fucking jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> yeah, that was the carriage he returned in with Cinderella's jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> but it was white. <laughs> but it was driven by mice. <laughs> Campaign effectively ended on December at midnight. And when he returned my carriage because he just wanted to protect his position as emperor. And it did end at midnight because that was when the spell was broken. It wasn't a princess anymore. <laughs> Holy shit, that was an ab workout. <gasps> oh my god, oh. okay. That's, I can't tell if it's tears or sweat, but <laughs> that was Fucking some funny here. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so that only so it ended on December 14th, 1812, like we said, at midnight. <laughs> and that was about six months after all the nonsense started. Didn't he have a fucking, like, didn't he know the fucking winter was coming? Winter is coming. Didn't he didn't, see the signs? Didn't, I don't know if they had the Weather Channel back then. Ooh, they had, like, Galileo. Did they? <laughs> Did they have Galileo? No. 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 Even we know that that wasn't the same time. Was it? <laughs> I don't know. I have no fucking idea. Next episode, well, Galileo. Next episode, Galileo's right. <laughs> um, so the... <laughs> The campaign was a turning point in the Napoleonic Wars. And I have the giggles. Fuck. The reputation of Napoleon was severely shaken, and the Grand Armée was reduced to a fraction of its initial strength. These events triggered a major shift in European politics. France's ally, Prussia, soon followed by Austria, 
broke their imposed alliance with France and switched sides. What? Twist ending. Who? What, what was the other side? They were on France's side. They so not... switched sides. They're on Britain's side now. Okay. So that's the other side. The other side is Britain, yeah. I, mean, I knew they were fighting or they didn't like each other, but I didn't know that they... Yeah. There was a line drawn. There was a line. Um, a line so in the that... sand. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I violently cleared my throat. So now that Napoleon had pissed everyone off, here comes the war of the Sixth Coalition. We're going to pause so I can get another drink, and then we'll get into the Sixth Ooh. Coalition. Yeah. All right. All right, I got my bourbon. I'm back. Okay, so this is the War of the Sixth Coalition. So this is where things really go south for our buddy Nappy. So the coalition, which included Prussia, Austria, Sweden, Russia, Great Britain, Spain, and Portugal, clobbered the French army. Napoleon may have won the Battle of Dresden in August, in August 1813, but he certainly did not win this war. The French army was pinned down by a force twice its side and lost at the Battle of Leipzig. This was by far the largest battle in the Napoleonic Wars and cost more than 90,000 casualties in total. So I, don't, I don't know why. Um, why do you think like that? Okay, we can do this. What do you mean? Like they twice armies? Because he was... Like the other side was... He twice. was the original Napoleon complex. He Did he have worms in his brain? Probably. And 90,000 casualties would set with inflation. <laughs> What's the casualty inflation? Since, okay. Yeah. So the Allies offered peace terms in the Frankfurt proposals in November 1813. The terms were that Napoleon would remain as emperor of France, but it would be reduced to its quote-unquote natural frontiers. Oh, sounds exciting. That meant that France could retain control of Belgium, Savoy, and Rhineland, while giving up control of all of the rest, including all of Spain, Netherlands, the Netherlands, and most of Italy and Germany. These were the best terms the Allies were going to offer. After further victories, the terms would be harsher and harsher. Napoleon, expecting to win oh the war, God, still, yep, delayed too long and lost his opportunity. By December, the Allies had withdrawn the offer. Yeah. With his back against the wall, in 1814, he tried to reopen peace negotiations on the basis of accepting the Frankfurt proposal proposals. Oh, oh no, no. <laughs> we no ha, no, ha, ha. no uh, so le frankfurt the allies now had new harsher terms that included the retreat of france to its 1719 boundaries no, no, seven, 1791 1791 we're not going back a little years. little dyslexic yeah. today mm -hmm. which meant the loss of belgium Napoleon would remain emperor. However, he rejected the term. Come on, man. The British wanted Napoleon permanently removed, but Napoleon adamantly refused. Sit on his throne. No. No, I won't no. leave. I don't want to. You make me. Try and make me. I don't want to get off the throne. I don't want to do it. You and what army? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Napoleon withdrew back into France. His army reduced to 70,000 soldiers. He faced more than three times as many Allied troops. Never fight the Allies. The French were surrounded. British armies pressed from the south, and the other coalition forces positioned to attack from the German states. 
Napoleon won a series of victories in the Six mm-hmm. Days campaign, but these were not significant enough to turn the tide. Did they feel bad for him? Were they trying to give him a false sense of security? I feel like that's probably the case. Maybe. The leaders of Paris surrendered to the coalition in March 1814. I like how I have, like, two paragraphs, and you have, like, one... Like... Well, I do it in the Bart voice, that's why. Mmm. Okay. So quote. you really split this up funny. Okay. So, the fall of Nappy the dictator. Mm. A sad, sad tale, which we are about to tell. Tell me the tale. I will tell you the tale. Alexander told the Senat. It's like the Senate, Right. Why don't you just fucking write the Senate? But that's but it's French. (laughs) (laughs) Alexander told the Senate (laughs) that the Allies were fighting against Napoleon, not France, and they were prepared to offer honorable peace terms if Napoleon were removed from power. The next day, the (laughs) Senate passed the Emperor's Demise Act. I could have left the French words in there, but I deleted it and just kept the English translation. Thank you. You're welcome. Which declared Napoleon deposed. I thought it said deceased. Not yet. That's a good idea. Napoleon had advanced as far as Fontainebleau. When Fontainebleau! He, when he learned that Paris was lost. <laughs> when Napoleon proposed the army march in the capital, his senior officers and marshals mutinied. Dun, dun, dun! Can you imagine like, all of them turning around? He has his arms crossed. And he's like stomping his foot. <laughs> I don't get it! <laughs> On April 4th, it's Grant's birthday. Oh. 1814, led by Michael Ney. Mikhail. Isn't that Mikhail? Michelle. 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 Michelle Ney. Who's they confronted Napoleon? Everyone else. His offers. Else. Oh, Everyone it's else. It's the mutiny. His senior yeah. offer, <laughs> offers. The senior <laughs> officers and marshals. Okay. Yep, so Michelle Ney and the other mutinous marshals and officers. Yeah, they all were like. Rented Michelle's ha- Mutinous Marshals. They had like an intervention. That sounds like a great punk band name. Say it again. Michelle's Mutinous Marshals. Just Mutinous Marshals or Michelle's Mute. All right, so when we start our band. Whatever, that's it. That's the name. That's the, that's the one. Got it. And we'll play <clears throat> at the Loose Caboose. <laughs> <laughs> we'll open for the Slick Ricks. Yeah. Um, so Napoleon ass- asserted, trying to trick me up those ass words again. <laughs> <laughs> I like to throw those in there just to mess you up. Napoleon asserted the army would follow him, and nay, replied, nay, the army would follow its generals. Well, the ordinary, that was funny. That was funny. Yeah. Okay. Usually you don't have to say it's funny if it's funny. I hear you laughing. <laughs> I was smiling. Well, the, okay. Well, the ordinary soldiers and regimental officers wanted to fight on without any senior officers or marshals. Any prospective invasion of Paris would have been impossible. Bowing, not blowing, bowing to the inevitable <laughs> on that same day, Napoleon abdicated in favor of his son. He has a kid? Yeah, he has a wife. Yeah. We don't really talk about it because... He barely showed up to his wedding. Okay. He was busy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> However, the Allies refused to accept this because they feared that Napoleon might find an excuse to retake the throne. Napoleon was then forced to announce his unconditional abdication only two days later. And Rachel, what did he say? What was his quote? I don't think this was his quote, but this is a, a quote. Oh. 
The Allied powers have declared that Emperor Napoleon was the sole obstacle to the restoration of peace in Europe. Emperor Napoleon, faithful to his oath, declares that he renounces for himself and his heirs the thrones of France and Italy, and that there is no personal sacrifice, even that of his life, which he is not ready to do in the interests of France. Oh, Barty, I don't know. I don't understand a word you said or what it means. It it's just so many big words. It's ours. <laughs> restoration. <laughs> renounces. He's just that's ready. The, the terms of his, you know, when he abdicated. All right. So, it's okay, a fancy way on. of saying you're not the emperor anymore. So he's going to obstacles to restoration of peace. He's faithful. Uh, his oath declares... So he was not unfaithful to his oath, but he still renounces for himself. Yeah, and his heir is saying he like him or his son can't be the <clears throat> emperor of right. France or Italy, and he won't be killed for it. They just really yeah. he agrees to just fucking go. Cool. Yeah, they're like, get the fuck out of here, man! You fucked right. it all up for all of us. Right. Well, he's lucky he didn't get his fucking head chopped off. Right. Exactly. So in the Treaty of Fontainebleau, the Allies exiled him to Elba. An island of 12,000 inhabitants in the Mediterranean. This is France's island. This 12, is France's island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 12 miles off the Tuscan coast. They gave him sovereignty over the island and allowed him to retain the title of emperor. This is so sad. They kind of like threw him a bone. <gasps> they did. They're like, you little rotten. Like, you really fucked brain, it up for everybody. man. Should have never invaded Russia. We're not gonna and but you're fucking psychotic. We're not going to kill you, but we're going to put you on this island. But you get to be emperor. It'll be really cool. Over these t- poor 12,000 people. I know. Like, what happened to them? Oh, Lord. Let's find out. That would be a good episode. <laughs> <sighs> um, so <clears throat> Napoleon attempted suicide with the pill he had carried after nearly being captured by the Russians during the retreat from Moscow. But its potency had weakened with age. And he survived to be exiled with his wife and son. While and, his wife and son. Oh, they didn't stick with him? Mm-mm. Oh, they went to Austria. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, so his wife and son went to Austria. He was exiled by him, you know, without them. I can't blame them. I mean. He wasn't around a lot anyway. He wasn't a very good husband. Yeah, no. No. In the first few months on Elba, he created a small navy. Oh, he can't stop. This is really sad. Can't, can't... stop, won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. It's just a thing people say. Who? I don't know. People these days. It's like a, it's supposed to be a motivational thing. Oh, I haven't heard that one. Well, I just said it, so now you have. Yeah, I'm not motivated. Um, <laughs> but, but he sure was. He created a small navy and a little army. He developed iron mines and oversaw the construction of new roads it's like the app version of a really cool, like, RPG video game on your PS11. Yeah. Or your so he, like, made well-built roads. computer. He, yeah, so he's this little... He did a bunch of things. Yeah. And he, um... Yeah, new roads for the camels. Um, issued decrees on modern agricultural methods and overhauled the island's legal and educational system. Like, he really tried... He's crazy. I He's bet he bananas. had syphilis. I bet he had fucking syphilitic insanity. Well, that wasn't in his autopsy, so. Were they looking for it? I would hope so. Syphilis was probably rampant back then. They, uh, I don't think they looked, they didn't let those cultures sit for long enough. 
Anyway, yeah, continue few, on. Okay, so a few months into his exile, Napoleon learned that his ex-wife Josephine had died in France. He was devastated by the news. He didn't try to get her back, so he couldn't have no. been that sad. Like she was like the one that got away, I guess. <sighs> too little, too late, man. Yeah, really. Not, nothing too late. Not even too That's little. like that JoJo song. Too little, too late. How's it go? JoJo. Who's that? Is that old? Like Jodeci? It's from like the early 2000s. I'm sure I know she it. She was like a little child that sang about these things, things she didn't know about. <laughs> okay. I thought it was a man. It was not a man. Uh, so he was devastated by this news, locking himself in his room and refusing to leave for two whole days. Separated from his wife, who was dead, and no, son. this his Josephine's his ex-wife. She was dead. He had a wife who's still alive. Wait a minute. He when did she? When did he get divorced? I don't know. Him and Josephine are not together anymore. He's got a different wife. Josephine Dubu Dubuhorne. Dubuhorne. Yeah, though they're not together anymore. He's got a different wife. Oh, his ex-wife died, and he's all fucking upset. Yeah, and though so he separated from his current wife and son. Who had returned to Austria. So I thought his ex-wife was the one who went to Austria and, like, just happened to be now his ex-wife because she no. fucking left to Austria and he's Mm-mm. on fucking Elba. Mm-mm. Huh. Okay. So now separated from his real wife and son, mm-hmm. who had returned to Austria, cut off from the allowance guaranteed to him by the Treaty of Fontainebleau, and aware of the rumors he was about to be banished to a remote island in the Atlantic Ocean, Napoleon escaped from Elba in the brig Inconstant, fitting, on February 26, 1815, with 700 men. Men's. Men's. <laughs> Elbin's men's. Elbin's men's. <clears throat> Two days later, he landed on the French mainland at Gulf Juan. Yeah, I guess. Doesn't sound French. And started heading north. <laughs> the 5th Regiment was sent to intercept him and made contact just south of... Grenoble? Not, not Chernobyl. Not Gren- Chernobyl. Grenoble on March 7th, March 7th, 1815. Napoleon approached the regiment alone. Ooh, this sounds very dramatic. It sounds. I'm so excited for you to read this. I wonder if it was foggy. It, it was, was like definitely like fog. And it was like ro- like the fog was like rolling, rolling in, rolling in behind him. Yes. Okay, so Napoleon approached the regiment alone, fog rolling in behind him. It was early morn, around 5 a.m. <laughs> the mist still shone on the dewy branches and the grass. <laughs> <laughs> He dismounted his horse, and as the lone soldier, when he was within gunshot range, shouted to the soldiers, Here I am! Kill your your emperor, if you wish! The soldiers quickly responded with, Viva l'emperor! Ney, who had boasted to the restored Bourbon King, Louis the XV111, 18th, that he would bring Napoleon to Paris in an iron cage, affectionately kissed his former emperor with tongue and forgot. <laughs> I knew it! <laughs> I just felt their sexual I tension through this whole story. I really hope they were happy after this. And over and again. <clears throat> so, <laughs> mid makeout session. He forgot his oath of allegiance to the Bourbon monarch, didn't 
put him in a fucking iron cage. Nope. Nope. Arm in arm. They skip together they towards t- Paris. No, they held hands. Like, it, like, like fingers intertwined. And I like, really think, think they held them up in the air? Or yes. just like... I think Down, they were just like being swinging. sweet and like affectionate. I think they skipped every once in a while. Do you think I, they took off their shoes and socks to be barefoot in yes. misty fields? They just like wanted to feel the the wet grass between their toes. Do you think they rolled down a hill like into a valley? Over and over again. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you? Yes. After you just reunited with your one true love? Yes. Okay. Um, all right, so they frolic towards Paris with a growing army, all the, like, su- supporters behind them. Yeah, like a parade. Yeah, like, like in a movie. When, like in a movie. Like in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Isn't, like, everybody, like, aren't they in Well, a they do a parade where he sings mm-hmm. uh, Twist and Shout, mm-hmm. but then they leave the parade and no one goes with them. Oh. There's something else I'm thinking of. Where that happened. Okay. Might have been a dream. All right. So, the unpopular Louis XVIII fled to Belgium after realizing he had little political support and no little man in an iron cage. <laughs> On March 13th, the powers at the Congress of Vienna declared Napoleon an outlaw. Oh. I feel like... He's single, ladies. <laughs> He's, an, he's a bad boy, guys. Yeah. He's an outlaw. Ooh, I like me he's an outlaw. Bad. He's a bad boy. He's a bad nappy. With your nappies. Four days... <laughs> Four days later, Great Britain, Prussia, Austria, and Prussia each... My voice is cracking. <clears throat> You're going through puberty. It's okay. I am. I'll just talk about gross men making out. Um... <clears throat> They pledged. Uh, yeah. Okay. So they pledged to put 150,000 men into the field to end his rule. Yeah. Like they weren't fucking around. No. So Nappy arrived in Paris on March 20th and governed for a period now called the 100 Days. How long was it? I think it was 100 days. Yeah. Give or take. Maybe like 101, yeah. 99. Uh, but they just is like that, is that the, like the second part of the movie, higher the second. Yeah, it's a sequel. That's one, hundred and one days. Hundred one, like instead of hundred and one Dalmatians. You read my mind. By the start of June, the armed forces available to him had reached two hundred thousand. Like Ooh. that's how like. God, and must, I, like he, he must have fucking strong ass pheromones. He just must be a very. I feel like he's probably very charming. People said like, he wasn't, though. But how, like, how else would you explain know. these people following him? And, I mean, Maybe he was he such a... the Pied Piper's loot. I don't know. All right. So he decided to go on the offensive to attempt to drive a wedge between the oncoming British and Prussian armies. The French army of the north crossed the border into the United Kingdom of the Netherlands. Why in... did they cross the frontier? I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. They did. They crossed the frontier. Okay. What did I say? The border. It's the same thing. The frontier I think it's the same exciting. Thing. The frontier. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Napoleon's forces fought the coalition armies commanded by the Duke of Wellington and the Gebhard. Liebrecht <laughs> von Blücher. Uh, at the Battle of Waterloo on June 18, 1815, Wellington's army withstood repeat attacks by the French and drove them from the field while the Prussians arrived in force and broke through Napoleon's right flank. God. 
Gotta, gotta break through that right flank. Yeah. Napoleon returned to Paris and found that both the legislature and the people had turned against him. Again. These people um, are so wishy-washy. I know. Like, pick a side. We love you. We hate you. Red Rover. Realizing his position was untenable, his abdica- he abdicated on June 22nd in favor of his son. Mm-hmm. He left Paris three days later and settled at Josephine's former palace in Malmaison, about 11 miles west of Paris. <clears throat> Even as Napoleon traveled to Paris, the coalition forces swept through France with the stated intent of restoring Louis the 18th, Louis the 18th <laughs> to the French throne. When Napoleon heard that Prussian troops had ordered to capture him dead or alive, he fled to Rockfort. Nice that uh, Considering to escape to the United States. British ships were blocking every port. Napoleon depended, demanded asylum from the British Captain Frederick Maitland on HMS Bellerophon Bilar- <laughs> <laughs> on uh, July 15th, 1815. Oh, shit, girl. So tell us where they actually put him. So Britain kept Napoleon on the island of St. Helena. In the Atlantic Ocean. Which is what he thought they were going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Britain's island. Not France's island. Right. And it's... It's um, over 1,100 miles from the west coast of Africa. I was like, is it Sh- Seychelles? Like, is this actually <gasps> what Seychelles is now? I wonder. Did you look at it Is it on map? the west or the east? <gasps> I don't know. Anne and I have this ongoing dream that we quit our jobs and and move away to Seychelles, which is an island off the coast of Africa. We declare it as we're going to raise a flag. We would raise a flag. We would we would essentially be the empresses mm. of Seychelles. Empress Rachel. Empress Anne. Time for tea. I don't really like tea. Time for coffee. Time for bourbon. And coffee. <laughs> I do like coffee. Um, yeah, I wonder if it is. And being that I'm a direct descendant of Napoleon per my auntie, maybe I have ancestral claim to Seychelles. They actually is, have your picture up as their empress. They're just waiting for you to show up. There's an effigy of me. Yeah, they're just waiting for you. They the, are. The people of Seychelles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm coming. I'm coming, my people. Sounds you very sexual. Wait. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I had to go there. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so Napoleon was moved to Longwood House. Yep. No, no joke needed. No joke there needed. There in December 1815. It had fallen into a bit of disrepair, and the location was damp, windswept, and unhealthy. It sounds like an old, like, summer cottage in Cape Cod. It sounds wonderful. That smells like mildew, and there's, like, sand everywhere. Yeah, I guess some mothballs, you'll be fine. Yeah. Soak up that damp. The Times, pu- I don't, the Times. Like the New York Times. The Seychelles Times published <laughs> articles in, insinuating the British government was trying to hasten his death. And he often complained of the living conditions in letters to the governor and his custodian, Hudson Lowe. Well, it sounds like a shitty custodian. Like yeah, a custodian, yeah. like a guy who cleans up after you, right? Right? He should be fired. I'm surprised a custodian is like reading mail. <laughs> Custodians can read, you know. Well, I know. I mean, you can't, like, fucking clean up the damp. He's going to open some mail. Um, with a small cod- cadre. This guy just has followers everywhere. Yeah. Um, Napoleon dictated his memoirs and grumbled about conditions. <laughs> I can just see it, like, <laughs> 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 broken. 
low-cut Napoleon's expenditure ruled that no gifts were allowed if they mentioned his imperial status and made his supporters sign a guarantee they would stay with the prisoner indefinitely. Fuck. Yeah. There were rumors of plots of his escape, but in reality, no serious attempts were ever made. For English poet Lord Byron, Napoleon was the epitome of the romantic hero. The persecuted, lonely, and flawed genius. I don't know, Byron. I don't know. You may have just gone down in my, my book of poets. Lord Byron. Lord Byron. Lord Byron. Lord Byron. His personal physician, Barry O'Mara. <laughs> All of these names sound so, like... I wonder if he's Irish. Yeah, Barry O'Mara. I feel like he's from New York. Like, Definitely. Definitely from, like... Staten Island. Yeah. Yeah. Before Staten before Island. it was actually Staten Born Island. Born and raised. Yeah. Born and raised. Staten <laughs> Island. <laughs> so, Barry warned London that his declining state of health was mainly caused by the harsh treatment. I don't understand. We need to find out what the weather conditions were like on this fucking island because... It's like, Af- it's off Africa. Like, I feel like it would be, like, pretty warm, maybe tropical. Right. Like, he's so sitting what... there on, like, a like on the beach with a... Something, something with rum in it. I, yeah, I'm wondering, like, what these harsh conditions were. He could have, were. like, made friends with some pirates. I don't it wasn't know. wasn't the fucking Russian winter. No, like, this shit He survived the fucking Russian winter and can't stand a little damp. He's like, it's too wet over here. I can't take it. I don't mind wet if it's solid like snow, but this wet that's I don't like the wet that's in the air. I can't breathe it in. So Napoleon confined himself for months on end in his damp and wretched habitation of Longwood. In February 1821, Napoleon's health began to deteriorate even more rapidly. And he died on May 5th, 1821. And his last words were, France, l'armite, tete, de armi, Josephine. <laughs> which translates Wait, which to? Which translates to France, army, head of the army, Josephine. Fucking Stupidest last words. Ribble rabble. Ever. Doesn't make any babble, yeah. which fucking, which kind of supports your syphilis theory yeah. that his brain was just riddled with syphilis. France army head of the army Josephine. Come on now, you can't even yeah. make a complete sentence on your deathbed. You're gonna fucking talk about Josephine, your ex-wife. What about your current wife? Who you showed up to? You weren't very. What a dog. Like like the wedding, you're like oh I have this to do. And you show like, up two oh, hours come late. Come to invade Russia. Can we get this Can we over get with? Over with? <sighs> <sighs> Go to Italy and. Stop. I have to ride in a carriage like Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> so Napoleon, nobody. Napoleon's original death mask. I'm so excited about this. I want a death mask. Like when I die, I want. In my will, I will be like, I need a death mask. I'll do it because it sounds so fucking cool. I will fucking decoupage the shit out of your face. Shit out of my face. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So Napoleon's original death mask was created around May sixth. In his will, he had asked to be buried on the banks of the Seine, but the British government governor said he should be buried on St. Helena in the Valley of the Willows. That Which sounds, sounds lovely. really nice. Oh. Like, who doesn't love a nice willow tree? Oh, a valley of them, no less. Yeah, like a whole valley. Yeah. Beautiful. Bury me there, 
after my death mask. Mm-hmm. So in 1840, Louis Felipe. The Philippe, first. Oh, not I obtained permission. Louis Philippe the first obtained permission from the British to return to Napoleon or to return Napoleon's remains to France. And on December 15th, 1840, a state funeral was held. His remains would be placed in St. Jerome's Chapel, where it remained until the tomb designed by Louis Visconti was completed. In 1861, Napoleon's remains were entombed in a porphyry. Sure. It's a sarcophagus. Porphyry stone. Porphyry? Porphyry stone sarcophagus in the crypt under the dome at Le Invalids. (laughs) Where you belong. (laughs) All right. So we're going to end this episode Mm. talking about the cause of Napoleon's death. (sighs) Finally, it's the good stuff. So the cause of his death has actually been very highly debated. So the original cause of death was determined to be stomach cancer, which was the same disease that caused his father's death. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. So there was suspicion that his death was not caused by stomach cancer, but by deliberate arsenic poisoning. Mm. Arsenic was used as a poisoning during the era because it was undetectable when administered over a long period. I wonder what led them to believe So these things back then. Okay, go ahead. There were, have been modern studies that have supported the original autopsy finding. Mm. So in, 2008, in a 2008 study, researchers analyzed samples of Napoleon's hair from throughout his life, as well as samples from his family and other contemporaries. Did he save, like, hair from every single haircut? Yeah, like, he, like, put them in little Ziploc baggies and just, yeah. you know, kept them. Um, so all samples had high levels of arsenic, approximately 100 times higher than the current average. According to these researchers, Napoleon's body was already heavily contaminated with arsenic as a boy, and the high arsenic concentrate in his hair was not caused by intentional poisoning. People back then were constantly exposed to arsenic from glues and mm-hmm. dyes throughout their lives. Maybe he had Mad Hatter's disease. Maybe. Mer- some mercury going on. Yeah. So studies published in 2007 and 2008 dismissed evidence of arsenic poisoning and confirmed evidence of peptic ulcer and gastric cancer as the cause of death. What was the evidence? Uh, well, he had an ulcer <laughs> in his stomach. He had a peptic ulcer. Did they keep that stomach on ice after he died? Well, because of the uh, all, the high level of arsenic in his body, his actually his body was very well preserved when oh. they moved it from oh, place really? to place. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds yeah. legit. And I'm sure that the autopsies in the 1800s were top-notch. Very well documented. Very well documented. They weren't just psycho murderers that were like, I want to cut up a body. It's going to be really fun. And that's that's Napoleon, in uh, in a nutshell. So I don't really see how he was like a dictator. Well, I mean, he was crazy. He was batshit crazy. He was fucking crazy. He sounds crazy. like a dick, but I mean, he just wanted. He wanted. He started wars with so many countries. I'm not putting him on the level of fucking like Stalin or. I mean, think about the number of people that died. Yeah. I mean, think about the casualties. Not a, yeah, not but he's even not from... like a Hitler. No, I'm I don't... not putting Napoleon. No, 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 no. I don't. No, I don't think. I don't think should... he like was. What, he wanted to be like Julius Caesar or who fucking Marco Polo or whoever the fuck. No, he was I talking don't... about in the first Alexander the Great. Not the same. I don't. No, I don't think you can put Napoleon and Hitler in the same category at all. 
I think that Napoleon wanted to conquer all of Europe. He wanted to be the emperor of everything and he wanted to conquer every country. And it's like a lot of men's dreams. Even, yeah, but he was the one who actually fucking went out and tried to do it. And he caused a lot of brouhaha. He did. And he, you know, I mean, they exiled him twice. They were so fed up with him. They could have killed him the first time he came back. They were so fed up with him because he's the emperor. Like, you can't just kill the emperor. I guess you could. I mean, I don't know. you can. I don't know the rules. But I'm saying he just he just started wars with whoever he wanted because he wanted to rule everything. Which is he horrible. was he was power hungry. I think he and really just, liked war too. Right, which is kind of sick. Of course. And when I say sick, I don't I mean, mean like like sick. Like I don't mean like a good way. I mean it's like we, disgusting. We don't, we don't speak like that. No one's ever heard us say sick in that no, vernacular. I'm not, I'm not a 1970s skater. Uh no. No. Not, not since I checked. No, last. but I don't know. Yeah, he's bad. He's bad. I'm not arguing that fact. But He was bad and he was a little man. I was hoping for more. You were hoping for more? More death? I mean, I think we're, like, approaching... I mean, that's a lot of death. I want to like, say, it's like... It's like, interesting death. I didn't count. I didn't, like, keep a tally, but I want to say it's, like, probably approaching, like, the 500,000 Yes, I would say casualty. he's, like a, like, a cool half mil. A half mil? That's... A, Hot fucking lot of people, people to die just because you wanted to be the emperor of all this shit. Because you wanted to acquire countries and land and, and be a dictator. And people were afraid to to vote against him. They didn't, you know, because there wasn't a well, secret ballot and all that stuff. His brother doubled all the votes. Well, no, there wasn't. Remember when they... Yeah, I do remember that one part. That part? Yeah, there wasn't yeah. a secret ballot. It's not like now where you can just vote and no one's yeah. going to know it was you. So, yeah, that's Napoleon. That is Napoleon. Well, we hope you enjoyed it. This is our first two-parter. Yeah. And we'll be back next sure week was. with a really special episode. I really think that this is going to be If something. it works out. I think it will work out. I really do. I'm going to harass the people that we asked to join us. But I think it's going to be really interesting to people our age – it's very relevant. Don't, don't, don't say anything else. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm just saying it's very relevant, and I think it's it's going to open – I mean, at least conversations I've had with these particular guests, it opens your eyes to certain things and kind of makes you realize things. So I think – not to give too much away, but I think it's going to be good. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if we can't get those particular people to join us, then we'll find someone else. Yes, we will. We know, um, we know people. So let's hope this happens before said surgery. It will. Let's let's make a goal. All right. Let's. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Thanks to everybody. Follow us on Instagram, shit we don't know podcast at gmail.com is our email. Wait, what's our, our... It's at shit we don't know is our Instagram okay, handle. Good, good. Our Gmail is shit we don't know podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are going to start dabbling in maybe some Facebook or Snapchat. So yeah. check us out. We keep saying that. We've been saying that since the beginning. But I feel It'll like happen. We're going to do it. It's like the throwing it out into the universe. I feel like I need it. we need an intern. We need an intern who's going to do all our research for us and manage all of our social media. If you want to intern for us, email me at shitwedonknowpodcast at gmail.com. Email us. 
Right, yeah. Or Rachel, whatever. I mean, you have the password. You could check it I if don't you want it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks. And we will talk to you soon. See you soon, guys. Bye.